All right. Good evening. Good evening. And once again, good evening, unless, of course, it's the morning that you're listening to us. But if you're on Mixler right now, I think the answer to that question is you are listening to us live. And it is the evening. So this is our second live episode of Discussing Who. And since I probably won't be able to remember how many second lives or third lives or fourth lives versus how many episodes we're going to have. From now on, I'm just going to say we are live on Mixler. Joining me tonight, I want to go first a little bit out of the state that I'm in to someone who has not been with us for quite a while. Lee Shackelford, how are you? I'm here. I'm glad to be back. Glad to have you back. Thank you, sir. So tell me, you have been doing something in the last couple of weeks. Tell us about what you've been doing. You've been peeping into my uh, house again, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 you weren't supposed to know that. Come on now. Yeah, it's the tantalus field I've been watched. Uh, I, uh, you, yeah, you were really, uh, that was really sweet of you to, to uh, uh, say something about Hickory Playground on, uh, on the podcast before. Um, and uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a brief but intense experience. But this is a, a kind of a guerrilla theater experiment where we, um, I met my cast Thursday night. I went away and wrote a play that I brought to them Friday morning. And they rehe- we rehearsed it Friday and Saturday morning, and then we performed it Saturday night. Really? Wow, that's a quick turnaround. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is uh, uh, me and uh, seven other playwrights. So we had these, We it was an evening of eight short plays that had been put together start to finish in 48 hours and uh, played to a packed house, and it was, it was, it was thrilling. It was super exciting. So uh, I guess... Um, for our audience, um, maybe the takeaway is if you hear of anything like that going on in your area, go see it because uh, it is it's an amazing thing, amazing thing that's happening. So, but yeah, that's what I've been up to. All right. So tell me just out of quick, quick curiosity, what mm-hmm. was your play about that you wrote in less than 24 <laughs> hours? <laughs> Well, um, people who know me know that I am uh, kind of obsessed with uh, robots. And um, I, I came back home after meeting my, my cast and uh, my, those three people, and I, I immediately came up with a plot about that involved a robot. And I thought, oh, for heaven's sake, Lee, you're in a rut, man. Let's let's write about something else. And the hours <laughs> ticked by, and about 1 a.m., I said, oh, to hell with it. <laughs> it was about a guy who's kind of torn between two women, and one of them is is not a human being. She's synthetic. And um, ah, seems seems too good to be true because she is, and so it good. was a little you know a little morality tale about trusting in what's real and um, you know seeking out the human connection instead of what seems flashy and appealing to you in the moment. Interesting. Is there cool. Way, yeah. yeah. Is there any way to watch this online, or was it just for people uh, attending? It's. It, it, I think the whole point is for it to be ephemeral. I mean. Ah. Uh. You know, it, um, if you weren't at the performance and you weren't part of the experience, then it's all gone, 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 gone. You Snapchatted us. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's the live theater, man. But the cool but, thing uh, is we have it in your memory, and that's, exactly. you know, so that that's kind of cool. 
And I'm glad you asked what it was about, because that does at least sort of remotely tie us back to the science fiction fantasy world that we're here to talk about. <laughs> so, Hey, you know, that's one thing that we do around here. It's who kn knows, what is it? it does, you, you never know who or what we might be to talking about. So, hey, it, it's whatever. That's right. So, so let me uh, not dispense with introductions. Let's go back to the same state I'm in and introduce our other co-host, Clarence. How are you? Doing good, Cal. How are you guys today? Uh, well, I guess since Lee's kind of told how he's doing, I guess I might as well say that I'm doing good, uh, good. busy. If I sound a little bit fluttered, I was telling the other co-hosts or anybody listening, I'm a little bit OCD, and I started looking for something, well knowing that we were starting recording at top of the hour and at 7:45 what do i do i start looking for something between 7:45 and 7:53 that's why if i sound a little uh scatterbrained more so than usual that's why yep. i am you're not <laughs> going to hear me make it funny because i did the same thing for the same reasons so. ah well good uh, then then i consider myself in good company <laughs> let's get right in we've gotten through our introduction uh, Lee, I'm not going to ask, well, I will ask you, I'm not going to talk about the Civil War II number four that came out yesterday, because Clarence hasn't had an opportunity to see that, but if you've listened to our, not see that, read that, but um, if you've listened to our last episode, you know someone died in Civil War II number three. What do you think of the death of Bruce Banner? Um... And I, I also follow uh, some blogs on uh, online that um, that are just loaded with spoilers. You know, I, sometimes I feel like I don't need to read the books. <laughs> I just need to follow the the blogs. But, yeah, so I, I knew about it. And um, I, I, do, I guess we you, you, you touched on this a little bit um, in previous episodes. That, um, after a while, we just sort of get um, – I've lost the word. We get hardened to the passing of comic book characters because we know that you can just bring them back again. You know, um, you, you were talking about the death of Johnny storm and, and it reminded me that we've also killed Reed Richards a couple of times. Right. And, uh, geez. Um, well, and you know, when we were talking about Batman versus Superman, you know, and I, and I think you and I both agreed at the end, Superman's dead. Yeah. So what? So what? Who cares? <laughs> we know he's going to come back. I just, yeah, there's no finality to it. It's it's so uh, it's just I don't know, a ploy to get readers in. I don't I don't know really. Just it's used so much now that it's just kind of lost its power. Exactly. Yeah, which means they should quit doing it. <laughs> yeah, but I it, agree. At least it does. It does mean that they're committing to taking Dr. Banner out of the story for a while and allowing the awesome Hulk to take center stage. And, and in that sense, that's, that's interesting and exciting. Well, in that sense, I can understand retiring a character and then revisiting a character later on years later. But, uh, mm -hmm. but the whole concept of let's make it a, an event for a character to die is it because we have read comics for decades, literally, or mm -hmm. is it, you know, would it be different for someone who is 15 years old picking up Civil War II number three, seeing the death of Bruce Banner and not having the backstory 
that we have of persons dying and dying and dying and that's, dying. That's an excellent point. Yeah. And, you know, we forgot to sound the spoilers alarm at the top of this episode. But the, <laughs> so I guess it's too late now, oh, but there's and, going to be more. And there's but, more, but, exactly. Yeah. Well, but uh, do, we, well, do, we, do we expect that um, we're going to find out that Han Solo's not dead? No, I don't no, think he's we, gone. No, he's gone. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> there are fantasy universes in which we take death very seriously. Yeah. I mean, in which the, the, the franchise itself, it says, no, that's it. Can you guys think of a comic book character that has passed away and is just gone? I was just wondering that, too. Um, I was about I mean, to say Bucky, but no, that's not yeah. true. <laughs> Bucky is yeah the least dead uh, character in the Marvel in the universe, universe right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the original, um, the original Marvel Captain Marvel, not um, Shazam. Right. I mean, he had leukemia, but then, but then now there's been like nine different Captain Marvels, so I'm not. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't and, know. And and for that matter, I am not a fan of Captain Marvel, the current version. Just okay. putting that <laughs> so out there. It wasn't an improvement. No, um, not a not a fan of, of her. A, a bit of uh, Comic Con news: They cast an actor to play yes. the Marvel Universe, and I can't remember who it is. Let me look it up. Brie Larson. <laughs> yeah, Brie Larson. That's right, it's Brie, Brie Larson. Larson. Yeah, I, I'm not uh, sitting on pins and needles to go see that. Yeah, I am sitting on pins and needles to see Wonder Woman, which we'll get we'll get to that in just a minute. But <laughs> I, I uh, want to mention, and unfortunately, what we were just talking about gives a good transition or not necessarily a good transition but a transition nonetheless I want to mention the passing of Jerry Doyle I believe that was on yesterday which was Wednesday today is the what 28th yes so that would have been July the 27th and if you are not familiar with who Jerry Doyle is if you were a fan of Babylon 5 you would be familiar with him. He w- he played Garibaldi, Chief Garibaldi, on Babylon Five. Lee, I know you're a fan of that. Clarence, were you a fan of Babylon Five? I only vaguely remember the show. I wasn't. I guess I wasn't really into so to, to that show at the time. You know, it's kind of. I was kind of young when it came out. I guess I was a teenager, almost a teenager. So yeah, it was kind of a little bit before my time. Before I really got into sci-fi. Well, for me, I took my hat, so to speak. And, Lee, if you want to share any thoughts or comments, feel free. I'm not sure if we lost Lee. I had been aware of uh, Jerry Doyle's transition from uh, TV actor to uh, radio talk host. And um, had kind of, I don't know, it had changed the way I thought about him because... If he and I had sat down together and wanted to talk about politics, I think I would have found it really unpleasant. I think I would have really wished I was somewhere else. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of nice to be reminded that um, now, now my heart hurts. Yeah. What, what was the tone of Babylon 5? Was it more like a Battlestar Galactica or more like a Star Trek? I mean, what, what was the tone of the show it overall? Was, it, was, it was Star Trek. It was a very progressive thinking, um, uh, open-hearted story. I guess I kind of thought that he he must be like that in person. 
And, and he wasn't. And after the show, yeah, he became this uh, kind of a Rush Limbaugh-like uh, talk show host. Ah, gotcha. And um, yeah, so that was kind of my issue. And I was saying, boy, I really don't like Jerry Doyle anymore. And <laughs> now that he's gone, I'm saying, well, you know, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I. <laughs> but 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 you know, I think actually, I want to I want to comment on you know your 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 comment that you just made of feeling sorry for being sorry. And, and let me say this, you know, there's, there is a distinction between a character that they play and the person who plays that character. I mean, you more than, you, I mean, you know, you more than anybody know that, but based on the things that you do professionally, having said that, we each choose our own things that we say and are things that we choose not to say and the ramifications that come or don't come with them for, you know, if for anyone, uh, who chooses to express I'm uber conservative or I'm uber liberal or whatever, that's, that's, that's their decision. And I don't think you should feel sorry for disagreeing with someone. Uh, Clarence, to comment on what you were asking about the Babylon five, one of the things that I really liked about the way it was written was this was not a show that was created and let's see how many years that we can get out of it. When it was written, it was written in five chapters, five seasons, regardless of how popular this is season one. And when season one began, they knew at the end, this is how season five will end. So the story may have progressed and changed and, but it was a progressive Story, and that was one of the things I loved most about it was it was yeah. just one complete story, and then that was it. And in fact, we frequently saw, thanks to characters in the show who were uh, visionaries, who were prophets and seers, and so on, we often saw how everything was going to end. Right, exactly. We didn't, we didn't understand the context of it, but we kept seeing visions of exactly what was going to happen at the end. And uh, which I thought was a, uh, just a startling way to tell a story like that, just just thrilling. And and I remember watching the last episode, which I've got I bought on iTunes, and I remember watching that and the whole final episode, which I've not watched in years, and I would love to go back and watch it. But uh, it was yeah. I remember it being very moving at the end. I, I don't remember exactly. I know someone died, but I don't remember exactly what happened at the end. But I remember it being very moving. Um, Babylon 5, just maybe more than any other franchise that I can think of right off, has had this amazing uh, plague going through it. Uh, but very few of the actors in that show are still with us. Uh, Jerry Doyle was just the latest. Our, uh, Richard Biggs, who played huh? the, uh, the doctor on there, I can't, yeah. Marcus, I think, our, he passed Same. away. And, and, and fairly young at that. Yes, yes, that was very, uh, yeah, he, he was very young. And uh, Andreas Katsoulis, of course, who's... Um, yes, and, Jakar. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, as I, I saw someone on uh, Facebook uh, today saying that it, it's been sad over the years to watch, uh, to go to conventions and see the Babylon 5 panel because it gets smaller, you know, every year. And you expect that from a show from, say, 50 years ago. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, not from Babylon 5. Right. Uh, agreed. Agreed. Well, let's let's change gears a little bit and get into something a little more optimistic, which is I actually enjoyed Clarence. You're you're going to 
you're going to be happy to hear this. <laughs> I actually enjoyed the Comic-Con Justice League special. I actually enjoyed it. So what, what, what was your highlights of it? I can tell right. you mine pretty easily, but I'll, I'll let you chime in on it. All right. Well, I will do one better before Lee puts in his two bits. Why don't we play it? And then, then let's discuss it. Why don't we? There is a stranger who comes to this village from the sea. He comes in the winter when people are hungry and brings fish. He comes on the king tide. That was last night. Talk. I believe that an enemy is coming from far away. I'm looking for warriors. This stranger. Others like him. I'm building an alliance to defend us. It's very important that I see this man. Barry Allen. Bruce Wayne. You said that like it explains why there's a total stranger sitting in the dark in my second favorite chair. He said he'll fight with us? More or less. More, more, or more or less? Probably more or less. He said no. He said no. Look, man, I don't know who you are, but whoever you're looking for... Break it down for me. Uh, Clarence, I'll let you go first. Uh, well, first of all, the, the thing, I guess, most people are probably going to love about the trailer is, is the Flash. The guy playing uh, playing the Flash reminded me a lot of the guy on, the, uh, on CW. And to me, he's going to be the breath of fresh air that the series needs. Um, he's just really fun from the short little time we spent with him in the, in the preview. What did, what did you think about The Flash, Kyle? I, really? uh, I still like The Flash on TV. He reminds me of The Flash from the animated uh, Justice League series, uh, who I always enjoyed, so I like that. Uh, one I, thing I expected him is to be a bit older. Uh, uh, yes. But because it seems like the Justice League is like the grown-up version of all these uh, Well, the movies, the movie franchise is more like the grown-up version of these characters. And to me, he was closer to the CW flash in age and, and appearance than I expected him to be. Yeah, I'm I'm just, you know, I thought he did a good job if I had not have seen the the corresponding on the CW. That's that's my only thing. I've gotten to know this character. I've watched him for two seasons. That that would be my only thing. So, guys, uh, Aquaman. I, he, to me, other than, of course, Wonder Woman, was was the most interesting part. Yeah, yeah, me too. And uh, really? and I know I feel like he's a hard sell. I mean, he's a he's good, he's a tough product to sell uh, here. So uh, yeah, I think I think they've succeeded. And, and in thinking about our discussion of changing characters, he's like so different to me from what you see in in, in the comic books and, and the cartoons. So nothing like yeah, yeah. I I I think he will do something for Aquaman that we've never seen before, which is. Mm -hmm bring a different level to the whole, you know, 
experience of Aquaman. I think he will... I have a feeling that the change in the look and who Aquaman is will start mirroring what we see in the movie, just like what we always see happen, you know, in, mm. in the comic. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I have a more general Justice, Justice League question for you guys. Like, what kind of role does he play since is he always in the sea or does he what? <laughs> How does this work? Lee, I'll let you take that one. No, <laughs> oh, I, I, I bow to your uh, your superior uh, knowledge of oh. uh, post-Silver Age comics. Oh, it's so uh, true. It's so true. <laughs> you flatter me. <laughs> well, but, but, well, but yeah. hey, I'm not, go- not going to pass it up. Okay. Aquaman and Super Friends, 1970. Complete joke. I mean, that's where the joke of, of Aquaman came because he rode around on a seahorse talking to fish. That made him <laughs> Well, he did that in the Golden camp. Age comics, too. I mean, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, but I mean, it, it just was something, you know, with, with him and Namor, there's some seemingly only so much you can do with a character who needs to be in the water to effectively be able to do what they can do. You know, that's that's the biggest issue that I've always had with him. However, having said that, there's creative ways to make somebody interesting without having, uh, in the 90s, his hand got cut off or eaten by the piranhas and he had a hook instead of, you know, a hand for years and years and years and years. And he had the long beard and the long blonde hair, which is ironic that now he's got a beard and long hair. Even even during that time, though, other than having the hook that, that he could use as a spear, basically, he still only talked to fish and he needed to be in water. I, I, I just am interested to see what they're going to do in the movie with his powers. If I were writing it, what I would do with Aquaman is not make him be able to control weather like Thor or Storm, but be able to draw moisture out of the air and then control the water. As some Atlanteans can do in the comics. Correct. You're trying to read between the lines in the trailer there. I, I got the feeling that the way they're going is that he's the one they're going to have to woo into the group because he has awesome powers that they need. But his, his point of view is this is not my fight. I don't, I don't, I don't do the surface world. I don't know, you know, this is not my circus and not my monkeys. And what did you guys think of Cyborg? Did not like the look of Cyborg. Did, did, I, really, that was the moment where I said, seriously? (laughs) Is it just me? What did you think, Clarence? And I'll say my thought. Uh, I think like, like, Aquaman, Cyborg is a bit of a hard sell too, unless you just do them right. As as far as the look of them, I really don't care because really the the only real experience I have with him is Teen Titans, so the cartoon from like ten years ago. Mm. So <laughs> I I really have no affinity for his character's background, so I really don't. This doesn't look didn't look bad to me, but I still think he's a hard sell as a character in a movie. So here's my thought. As far as how he looked, I read a couple of places that that's not the finished with the, all the CGI's that will be added in, that he will actually look a lot more metallic and or polished when we see the final good. version. So, you know, I'm, I'm good with that. He's yeah. a character that has been around. He was created in the late 70s as, 
as a reboot to the Teen Titans called the New Teen Titans. It took yeah. the original Teen Titans and added Raven, Beast Boy, and Starfire, and Cyborg. And the the look is pretty much traditional. The story is pretty much the same. The only difference of what he's got now is the metallic part of him was was created in part by mother box technology from apocalypse whereas before his father just created a cybernetic enhancements to you know replace after his body was destroyed in an explosion so that's really the only difference as far as you know who he is interestingly enough I know we've talked about the New 52 previously. It wasn't until the New 52 that he was even a member of the Justice League, or right before the New 52 that he became a member of the Justice League. Did you guys see the Wonder Woman trailer? Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. Lee, did you? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. All right. Well, for those of you who are listening to our broadcast show that's on iTunes, we're fixing to, or about to, not fixing to, we are about to get rid of that southern word there. We are about to listen to the Wonder Woman trailer. You're a man. Yeah. Does that look like her? You have been my greatest love. Be careful, Diana. I do not deserve you. you never met a man before? I mean, what about your father? I had no father. I was brought to life by Zeus. Well, that's neat. It's Etta Candy. I'm Steve Trevor's secretary. What is a secretary? I go where he tells me to go, and I do what he tells me to do. Yeah, well, where I'm from, that's called slavery. I really like her. Fantastic. Oh, Ladies, after you. I do. I like her. All right, so I want, I want to take this one first. Since Wonder Woman is my character, I love Wonder Woman. <laughs> I thought the entire look of not only the look of Diana, but the look of the entire trailer was beautiful the music was beautiful the trailer was beautiful and was i want to ask you guys this was i the only one who thought that her costume in this movie was a lot brighter than it was no you're not oh okay so i i I wondered if it was just me but but without going back and watching dawn of boredom i just was wondering (laughs) if uh, i know i couldn't resist that but without going back and watching that, Burn. I couldn't uh, tell. You know, I thought it was a lot brighter. The primary colors of the blue and the red, even the mm-hmm. gold on the boots was a lot brighter 
in this than what it was in uh, the first movie. So what did you guys the, think? The, you've seen the one sheets, the the movie posters, and and they are a sea of red and yellow. I mean, they're they're pushing the 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 the, uh, the almost primary color quality of her of her uh, costume. So what did you think, Clarence? Uh, yeah, the, the colors did feel a bit brighter, uh, but I, but also the, the trailer, I I kind of don't know what to think about it. <laughs> I, again, I don't know a lot about uh, her background, but being a, a Marvel guy and having watched the Marvel movies, this felt a lot like the first Captain America movie to me, at least mm-hmm. the trailer. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know how the movie will turn out, but the trailer felt a lot like Captain America. Okay. Lee, what, what, what was your take? Yeah, I, I got the, uh, the vibe too. And I guess it's just because, you know, the time period and uh, sort of the milieu. But this is a teaser. You know, we'll, we'll get a proper trailer later on. So right now we're just getting uh, glimpses. And, uh, but I did find the glimpses uh, quite exciting. And uh, I just... Uh, we, I know we've talked about this before, but love this casting. I just, I just think she's. Oh, I don't want to say awesome. Um, <laughs> okay, she's awesome. Yeah, I really wasn't all that excited when you know I first saw who had been cast because I was like, okay, you just really don't seem Wonder Woman to me. And when I see a human Wonder Woman, my brain immediately goes to Linda Carter. And then I heard that Linda Carter had not been cast as Hippolyta because my brain again was, well, there's only one person who could play Hippolyta, and that has to be Linda Carter. All the world is waiting for you and the power you possess. Uh, I, you know, am totally over that now. (laughs) After seeing her in the movie, I thought she did great. One other thing before we move on, because I know we want to talk about Star Trek, is I loved how the lasso looked. I loved the shininess mm-hmm. and the brightness mm-hmm. of the lasso. I thought they really did a good job with that. So, all right. I have a quick, uh, Wonder Woman yes. question for you real quick. Can Wonder Woman fly, and do you think she'll fly in the DC Universe movies? Yeah, yeah. Movies, good I'm not question. sure. Yeah. Movies, I'm not sure. Uh, comic book Depending on what era it was, yes or no, but currently, yes, she can. Interesting. In the current uh-huh. comics, she can fly. Correct. I've, yeah, I've gone back to watching the uh, the animated uh, Justice League series again, and uh, when she and Superman kicked off into the air together, I said, what? <laughs> so <laughs> when, when, when did that happen? What happened to the invisible airplane, man? Okay, so here, here here's what happened. When, uh, you know, originally... She could not fly. She had the invisible jet. And then by the 60s, when she went to the white jumpsuit, gave up her powers, became a kung fu master for, you know, about six or eight years, she, you know, of course, doesn't need the plane because she has no powers, can't do anything anyway. So after she gets her powers back from 70, say, five through Crisis on Infinite Earths, she had the plane, however, she could glide on air currents, not fly, <laughs> glide on air currents. Then, post, 
but then post-crisis, she's been able to fly ever since. So let's talk one other thing about Comic-Con, which goes into our main topic, which is Star Trek. What do you guys think about seeing the title of the new series now? What do you think? The title and also the ship, which yeah. I hated the ship design. I hope they change it. It's it's ugly to me. <laughs> I think that must be the general response because uh, the showrunners have already been putting out uh, social media saying, "Oh, we're not finished with the ship design. <laughs> we're, we're still tinkering with it." So you don't, you know, those of us who have been Star Trek fans since 1966, we we we've seen that ship design before. Um, it was. Um, it was the um, it was Ralph McQuarrie's design for the ship as it would appear in the the uh, continued series from that was you know uh, being put together in the seventies. Um, that's and I think at the time a lot of us said, "Really, <laughs> it's a it's a triangle. That's a little really." Yeah. Um, so weird. in a way, we we like that 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 this hat is being tipped broadly back to that. Thing, but um, yeah, I don't like it either. I don't really like it either. But on to one. <laughs> we agree for a change. We did. All three That's of us right. agreed. This may be. All right. So on to something that we do agree on with a ship that we do uh, all three agree that looks okay as a ship would be the main Star Trek, which would be, let's go beyond the one that we're talking about now. Let's destroy the uh, Enterprise every time. Yeah, I guess. Oh, but it was so beautifully destroyed in this, this uh, well, movie. That's true. That's true. <laughs> oh, it was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And, and, I mean, we're jumping ahead, but the way the ship is twisting and turning and rotating and... You're seeing that they're obviously on real sets. If it's not real sets, it looks magnificent if it's not, but I think it is a real set. Yeah. And the yeah. way it's rotating and they're still shooting through these corridors and man, I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. So what did you yeah, that's think? True. Yeah, I, I agree. If we have to blow up the enterprise, then that's the way to do it because that was, <laughs> that was thrilling and, and, and agonizing and horrible and, uh, um, and you know we know how many people are on the ship, and then we saw how many were left at the end, and uh, it's heartbreaking because you know the rest of those people they're they're out in space. Um, and it was, um, yeah, it's 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 terrible. You know, um, yeah. but yeah, if you're, a lot of us are who are Star Trek fans. Uh, I think um, we also tend to be interested in physics. You know, so I think yeah. th there's there's a there's a, a weird part of us that will detach from the emotional connection we have to that ship to get interested. As Clarence is into watching, watching how it twists. So yeah, that's how that would happen. Yeah, you know <laughs> that makes sense. You know, and it's coming edge down through the atmosphere. Okay, look, look how it's uh, starting to superheat on that edge. Yeah, that, that's what would happen. Yeah, uh, they really thought it out. One thing that I have found interesting in watching this series is how, and I'm going back to the very first of the reboot series. I still absolutely love the way that you rebooted it without technically rebooting it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. With, with, yeah. with having the timeline yeah, diverge. Yeah. And, and so you, you, you basically still have William Shatner's Spock, I mean, uh, not Spock, but William Shatner's <laughs> Kirk out there somewhere, and all of that history is still intact, but yet you've got this what if 
type universe going on, the splinter universe that has its own life of its own. And I know mm-hmm. we, t- we talked about in our last episode that they had planned not to recast uh, Chekhov. Yes. Yeah. So, again, that right there changes the dynamic because if they do another movie, who are they going to bring in to replace? Are they going to bring in a brand new character? Are they going to bring in someone from Next Generation that we've not seen yet that mm-hmm. comes in early? Perhaps mm-hmm. you know that's that's interesting. Well, well right. let, let's let's unpack what you just said about actual paying homage to those characters from before and still not destroying their timeline, but kind of altering it in a way. And uh, so, at the beginning of this movie, we see they're on their five-year mission, almost third year in, and for some reason, Kirk is really tired. For some reason, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that kind of leads us to this point where we see where he's going to resign his commission. Well, not resign his commission, but move up to a different rank to where he's just going to be a desk jockey. So so from there, we also see, uh, again, we're paying homage to the characters from before. Uh, once they finally get on this space station that looks nothing like a Star Trek space station, but something out of freaking an anime, basically. <laughs> it, was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. my jaw was dropped. Yeah. Uh, but once they get there, we find out that, uh, well, the new Spock finds out that the old Spock has died. And I thought that was really, really cool how they paid homage to him. And and even fast forward to the end of the movie where we actually see a photo of, I think it was the first Star Trek movie, all the all the cast. That, that was just really touching. Now, what did you think, Lee? Yeah, I was very touched by that, that there was a way of, uh, of sort of uh, giving the, Vulcan salute one last time to Leonard Nimoy, um, and and I was I was hoping that somehow they would be able to work that in because one of the things I enjoyed most about the movie was um, the um, wow uh, the 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 scores of little winking references to the original series and um, which is of course my favorite and that I'll you know will always be the closest to my heart and I, w- I want to go back and see it again and actually keep score of how many times they referred to something that is specifically from an episode of the original series. Um, when, I, when I started reading uh, people's comments about the movie right after it opened, I noticed that a lot of people said they, they, they didn't like the fact that Kirk seems to be, that, that he would want a desk job, that, that he's three years into his five-year mission and that that's just not, a starship captain wouldn't do that. And so they felt like it, it didn't, it, that it, um, as we say in the Sherlockian world, that it rends the canonical fabric. When, the, when Star Trek be, was supposed to begin in Gene Roddenberry's mind, the first thing we were going to see was Captain Pike. And if you remember in the cage, he's burnt out. Huh. That he's, he's just done this too long and he's tired of making these decisions and watching his people die and he's ready to quit. And so I thought, wow, they they figured out a way to salute Captain Pike, the original Captain Pike, who, as you just said, he we've we've rebooted the universe so we can have it both ways, but in this universe, Captain Pike uh, doesn't end up on Talos Four; he's dead, <laughs> right? And um, th- that bothered me because I've always loved Captain Pike, and I I was I always liked the fact that he gets a happy ending in the. Uh, 
in the in the real Star Trek universe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and and also, I mean, if you really think about it, Kirk's struggle was he was tired, but it was also they tried to play in, into it the fact you know the conversation he had with Bones about how he's trying to fulfill a legacy and maybe it's not his legacy. So they tried to throw that in there as well. Yes. Um, and, and to that end, I want to ask you guys: Do you think the current cast is trying to play too hard to the old cast. Uh, I said that in particular because the character that plays Bones now, I forget his name, but Carl to me, he, yeah, he, to me, he, he's on too thick with trying to be like uh, Leonard McCoy. <laughs> <The first laughs> I just, oh, it, it's too, it's too, it's too much. Oh, really? No, I, I'm I, sorry, DeForest Kelly, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that the way that they are sometimes channeling these actors and, and yet bringing a, a, their own acting talent to them to the to the role as well I think is is uh, is brilliant I don't know you may be right maybe he's overdoing it but uh, but it's not bothering me because I'm enjoying it so much so yeah because um, yeah, he's the only one that that does it that takes it to that extreme you know it, I mean even with Kirk in the first one you 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 felt those touches of uh, Chris Chris uh, Chris Pine doing doing the um, the old William Shatner impressions, mm-hmm. but now he's more natural when he doesn't really into that that cadence much at all. And and at the same time, in in this film, there was a couple of times where somebody would speak behind him, and he would turn his head very sharply, just exactly <laughs> the way Bill Shatner does. And I would think, damn, he's got that down to a science. I just it's oh, beautiful. Yeah. I guess you're right. Also, yeah. when he sat in the chair on the the uh, the captain's chair of the the Franklin uh, felt that as well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. A very, very uh, kind of Shatner-esque moment. So let me answer your question, Clarence, in this in this fashion. Mm-hmm. So let's imagine for a second that uh, Dave, uh, and I can't remember his last name, but the gentleman who plays Walter Frey, who also played William Hartnell in, a, in An Adventure in Space and Time. Imagine for yeah. a moment oh. that they decided, they being the B- BBC, decided to recreate some of the missing black and white first second doctor episodes with you know with with him and and, and that same cast that was on uh the adventure of space <laughs> and time imagine Which him I wish they would uh, that would be very cool but imagine him though he would be he's playing william hartnell playing a character but eventually <laughs> right. the more he plays that character i would imagine the more differential nuances that would come in uh, that he himself would put in. So Mm -hmm. take that same mentality and layer it back onto what Lee just said. And I would imagine the more movies, Star Trek-based, that they create, even past this one, the Mm -hmm. more you will start to see differentiation a little more because, a case in point, you can't have Chekhov anymore. So without him, that's going to make these characters grow in a different direction. I do think that they do, to some degree, mimic, but but I take it a little bit more paying tribute as po- yeah. as opposed to over mimicking. And it's really just the three of them, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, too. If you think about agreed. it, agreed. Because that, uh, well, uh, no, that's not true. Simon Pegg also sometimes does a brilliant <laughs> uh, Jimmy Doohan, but. Um, but, you know, Anton Yelchin, he's really Russian. He's not putting that accent on the way uh, right. Walter Koenig was. Um, 
yeah, I, I um, but yeah. but it is it is mostly the the big three there. Yeah, David Agreed. Bradley, by the way, the actor's name. David Bradley, him. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Who was also in uh, Broadchurch, uh, yes. if I remember correctly. Yes, and the Harry Potter movies. So. And the Harry Potter movies. So, so uh, on a slightly different note, what do you guys think about the subtle uh, hints at uh, uh, Sulu's uh, sexuality, which they talked about before the movie came out briefly? Um, and even in the movie, it was it was so subtle. If you weren't looking for it, you probably wouldn't even knew it. Because <laughs> I, you know, I I thought that was that was kind of cool how they played it in, and it wasn't overbearing or it was just enough to get that point across. Like, okay, that that's yeah. cool. <laughs> okay, there's there's a dude with a little girl. Um, why is it? Oh, okay, that's that's his little girl. All right, yeah, okay, fine, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I thought, yeah, that's I, it. And then I we agree. Done. Yeah, I agree. You know, it wasn't overly done, but no. just enough. So, what Very about nice. the big bad guy of the movie? If you want to call him that, <laughs> he's a big bad guy. Um. Boy, that seems like a real waste of a fine, fine actor. I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm really, I guess, I'm getting bored with these um, sort of reptilian villains who who, who snarl at the at the camera and <laughs> going to kill you all. And you know, I, I'm sick of it in the Marvel universe. I'm sick of it in Star Trek. Uh, it's like, okay. It was funny you should say that because I, I I really feel like Star Trek probably has the the Marvel problem with, with enemies because, mm-hmm. um, you know it was he was a very forgettable enemy in this movie, nothing really special about the way he was used. Um, I thought he was okay, but to me that was one of the most lackluster parts of the movie. Yeah. What about I, you, Cal? I, yeah, no, I, you know, you know, I would agree. I. And his Idris elbow, by the, by the way. I say what now? I was just saying his Idris elbow, by the yeah. way. Right. And, and, and yeah, right. Yeah, I said waste of a fine actor. Yeah, we should say his name. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, I think that's synonymous uh, because he is such a great actor. Uh, you know, I, Lee, I'm going to piggyback off of what you said. I think because we have so many movies of a genre now, of whether it be sci-fi or superhero where you have to blow stuff up. You have to have world-shattering, earth-shaking, fill-in-the-blank of however you want to see it. It does kind of give you that sense of, wow, I've seen this before. Um, You know, I would rather have a villain that's a little more, you know, I don't know, just a little bit more personal investment into it, not necessarily... Okay, well, you know, here you're coming to have revenge on such and such. Well, everybody either wants to take over or have revenge on, and that's yeah. that's your yeah. two main motive, motives: take and, over, and, have revenge. But 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 could it also just, if you look at it for a second time and say, was was his circumstance that created him not, in effect, turns into what is really his motive, because mm-hmm. of the the insanity. The of what he's doing is created by his, you know, his own isolation. Mm-hmm. Sure, so, like he's forgotten about. So I, I can understand that to a certain extent. Yeah. So it's just, it's just not a particularly novel. Yeah. Uh, story. It is. It is certainly one we've heard a lot, and I don't know. I. Um, 
you know, I think if you will compare this or, or when we go back and say five years from now and we're talking about mm-hmm. the third or the, I mean, the fourth or the fifth Star Trek uh, movie that's come out of this series, I think for fans five, 10, 15 years from now, they're going to look back at this and have a special memory of it for se- for several reasons, not necessarily because of the story, but the circumstances surrounding the story, whether whether they paid a big deal to it or not, you have the Sulu factor. Whether um, you know they recast him or not, this was the the passing per se of one of the predominant cast of this set of Star Trek actors, and then mm-hmm. of course they they give that tip of the hat to Leonard Nimoy. So I think mm-hmm. for those three elements, I think this will take a little bit of cult classic to part of that because of those three elements. Uh, mm. And at least that's my take. Well, well but I, I have to have to say it. <laughs> to me, this movie has a Martha moment. Okay. So Yeah, you mentioned that before, and so I, I was curious what yeah. you... This enemy swarm of bees, I guess that's what uh, the actor Jayla called them. Well, the mm-hmm. character Jayla in the movie called them. Swarm of bees. These these smaller ships that can decimate a larger ship or basically anything because they're high in numbers and they're very, they're in sync. Uh, sort of like a flock of birds, you know. The fact that we are going to destroy this movie, I mean this enemy, excuse me, by broadcasting on their resonant harmonic frequency with the Beastie Boys is not good enough for me. I'm sorry. It just, I, I I wanted to walk out when I saw that. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, you ruined it! You ruined it!" <laughs> Nothing against the Beastie Boys. Nothing no. against the Beastie. Yeah. <laughs> no, I but, agree. Uh, yeah. No, I don't. I did. I didn't like that, and I don't like the motorcycle. I'm. I. I don't get what why there are motorcycles in these movies. I don't understand. <laughs> well, didn't Clarence? Didn't it? Didn't you say in our last recording? That one of the producers produced Fast and the Furious. Oh yeah, well, this is a director of Fast and yeah. Furious. Yeah. Okay. Justin. Well, Lee, that just answers your question. That's why you have a motorcycle. <laughs> that is not a good enough answer. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's three hundred years in the future. Yeah. Oh, that's have a, a classic. Yeah, they <laughs> yeah, they should have a hover cycle. Yeah, it just happens to be inside the Franklin. Yeah, along with I guess the Declaration of Independence is also in there too. Right? You know, <laughs> that just makes no sense. I just... But for the purpose of oh, it looks really cool, then you know maybe maybe it that's the purpose of it being there. Is oh, it looks really cool. But yeah. you know, I just I just wrote an essay about this for for a forthcoming Sherlockian publication about about uh, mockbusters about uh, the Asylum Studios. And you know that they, whenever a movie comes out, they rush out with the, with the uh, 295 version of it, you know. Um, so the, and the, the film I was writing about particularly was the film that they rushed out right after the, um, the, the guy Ritchie, Sherlock Holmes. And so they made this very quick, very cheap uh, Sherlock Holmes movie. And, in it, and it, it's made them a lot of money. Because it's direct to download, and you know, so there's no, there's practically no distribution cost, and people are buying it because the trailer looks so exciting. But I promise <laughs> you, everything that's exciting in that movie is in that trailer. The trailer, <laughs> and because they know they can do that, all you have to do is have a bunch of stuff that looks cool, and then the movie you can string it together with, without any 
any pretense of there being any kind of logic or rational sense about why these things have are, are in the movie. And and it's it's uh, it, it's. <laughs> It's insulting if you take it seriously, and and they do not take it seriously themselves. So you know it's it's okay, but um, but I expect more from the Star Trek JJ franchise. Yeah, yeah. You want to say okay? I understand the the logic of saying yeah, but it looks cool. But yeah, that belongs in the Mockbusters. <laughs> put put that in Sherlock Holmes versus Monsters, which is the name of the movie. Sherlock <laughs> versus Monster. You know, that's where. Yeah, but it looks cool. Belongs, but it, God. Anyway, yeah. yeah <laughs> All right. Just a, let me just just a few more nitpicky things I have. This is very nitpicky. Like when, when when Kirk gets into the uh, the escape pod, he has on a different suit than he does when he's on the ground. He's like in a whole different uniform for some reason. When he's on the ground. Maybe I just missed that. He stopped to change but, clothes. Yeah. yeah, obviously when the ship is about to explode, <laughs> and. Uh, the impossible that nebula that's all that's supposed to be impossible to traverse, they made it through somehow, but yet when they're getting destroyed, they want to warp back through it. I, I don't understand that either, but anyway, uh, two things I thought were fun. I thought Jayla was really fun, her character, I like the character, I like her and, a lot, yeah, yeah. And I thought the tracker necklace, um, uh, from, from Spock was awesome, <laughs> yeah. I thought, I thought that was cool. Yeah, that was yeah. a good plot device, wasn't it? Yeah. So, Lee, what did you think overall? Yeah, I, I, my feelings very much like Clarence's. Uh, I, I I really enjoyed um, certain plot points like that. I love um, I love Simon Pegg anyway, and um, and you know he wrote this script, and his 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 distinctive touches are all over it, and I I uh, I, I I love that. There's so much about this script that I I really love. Um, it's a very entertaining ride and it's not, um, a lot of us who are diehard fans of the original series, we've been complaining that this isn't Star Trek. It's a, it's a pinball machine. It's a, it's a video game. Yeah. And, and I think uh, Peg, who is, you know, a lifetime fan like me, I think he managed to bring more Star Trek back to it. And I'm grateful for that. So, you know, I, let me say this and I know for any diehard Star Trek original version fan, Lee. Uh, yeah. I, what, what I'm about to say is, you know, in the Dalek equivalent, I'm hearing Daleks say in the best, uh, you know, in the background, blaspheme, blaspheme. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, but really and truly, I like this version better than the original version. And I, I, mm-hmm. I, I know. I mean, I, I didn't start watching Star Trek until. The next generation. I mean, right. my, I, I grew up watching Star Wars, not Star Trek, right. and it was yeah. the next generation that 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 caught my attention. And then I couldn't go back and watch the old ones because it was like, okay, this looks really cool, and you look really cheesy. Was was my teenage young or before teenage thoughts or whatever as I'm watching it. So seeing them for some Oops. reason. Yeah. I just like them a little bit better. Sure. So, it's it's more visually exciting, and uh, uh, yeah, you you can't beat the production values or something like this. My parents were interested in in this new Star Trek series, so so they watched it, and I was five. So do the math. Uh, <laughs> I was I was sitting on my mother's lap when we watched the uh, the first aired episode. We watched Man Trap, and I've been with it ever since. 
So, so yeah, of course, my personal filter that I bring to these movies is is the perceptual framework of having literally been watching this show for 50 years. It's a little hard to unmix that. Right. It, yeah, and that makes perfect sense. Both shows, whichever version they are, they have their, you know, both of them have their weaknesses, both of them have their strengths. And, and that's one thing that I find exciting about having this new version come to CBS is you get to meet a whole brand new set of characters that yeah. we've not had an opportunity to do since Enterprise. And, that's and there exciting. was talk about it maybe being an anthology, that it may be a different story that takes place on board oh. the ship every week, I mean, with a different set of characters every week. Hmm. Interesting. With, with, with the, sh- the ship Discovery as the background. That's that's interesting. That's a that would be a novel approach, wouldn't it? That would. But I don't. I'm, so, I, I'm sitting here wondering how how much I would really like that, and I'm not sure I would. Mm. You know, maybe at least having a central character, a la, not and not specifically Whoopi Goldberg's character, but uh, similar to Guinan where there is mm-hmm. this w- one character that connects, you know, the story together and mm-hmm. that would that would be now that I could be cool with, but mm-hmm. you know, totally somebody new mm, depends on Every how well week. the writing is done, honestly. It would be all about the writing. It definitely would. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Star Trek is. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. That's true. All right, well guys, do you have anything else that you could say about Star Trek, the series or Star Trek beyond or anything else we've talked about. We may have milked it. I, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll just give my quick wrap up about the movie again. Um, the, the, the points I made about the, the things that I didn't like, I, I, you know, I just had to harp on those again. It just was a little frustrating, but overall <laughs> I enjoyed the movie. It didn't feel like Star Trek beyond. It just felt like Star Trek, uh, somewhere close nearby because <laughs> I mean it, it didn't yeah. feel like they were in the far reaches of space especially with this big space station there that looked look so awesome and so modern I'm like how did they build this out here in the middle of nowhere supposedly but yeah I, I really enjoyed the movie yeah you know I, I wondered that too during the closing titles I was thinking what what are we beyond exactly <laughs> I, I think I, I'm not sure I'm not. <laughs> All right, so Lee do you have any closing on it nope don't all right. Well, I'm going to nope don't with you too, because uh, you know the I keep coming back to. I do like the the fact that they paid tribute to those you know who are not with us anymore, and thought that was that was good. Anytime you have any franchise movie like this, you're expanding the universe, you're expanding the story, you're keeping fans interested, and as long as it's not a sunset of boredom a dawn of boredom or something like that i'm okay with it so you know <laughs> i i think I, I think you do justice as long as you don't dawn of boredom so something like that yeah something like do that. justice yeah. yes kind yes. of makes you wonder makes makes you wonder exactly yeah <laughs> and you know i think it would be very appropriate to say all the world is waiting for you <laughs> we will Ooh, see. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm getting very corny as my brain starts to get tired. <laughs> <laughs>
It's I, been a long day, hasn't it? Yes, it has. <laughs> yes, it has. So tell me, uh, guys, is there anything you are working on that you'd like to share with everyone? Uh, nothing I'm working on in particular, but I, I'll just say if if you kind of like the subject matter we talk about on here, uh, I just suggest you check out my friend's podcast. It's called Reality Breach. You can find it at com and just search for Reality Breach. You'll find it there. And it is an adult um, sci-fi comic video game, mostly video game podcast. So check it out. That's Reality Breach? Yeah, Reality Breached. What a D. Breached. Got the end. <laughs> okay. Got to check that out. All right. Lee, what's going on with you? Uh, nothing much. I'm about to start my school year again. So, you know, back to work. Back to work. Cool. Exactly. Well, you know, I, I, I want to do a couple of show notes uh, before we wrap up, which is, you know, to anyone that's listening, th- let us know what uh, format, what uh, – Platform, I guess platform is the better word here, that, that you would prefer using if you would like to participate. We've looked at several things from Mixler to TalkShoe, and we're not opposed to doing any one particular type. We want to go where you are, and you are being the listener, because we do want this to be an interactive experience with people. We're trying out Mixler right now. We're not married to Mixler if uh, we see that we would be better off somewhere else. Guess what? We'll pick up shop and go somewhere else because we want to be where the listener is. So we have no uh, send us feedback. Right. We're, the only thing we're loyal to is producing content that is conversational as well as enjoyable as well as entertaining for anybody listening. And Guys, I just wanted to say thank you to both of you. We are past not only number 10. We, If we were in a Marvel comic, we would be back to episode one again because we've already got past 12. Um, so It would be time for one of us to die. It, exactly. So that we could be back by issue one of our rebooted series, uh, Discussing Who 2. Exactly. <laughs> Discussing Rises Again. Oh, that, that, that sounds cool. So if you're listening and you want to send us feedback, please do so. You can send us feedback to discussingwho at gmail.com. You can find us on the web at www.discussingwho.com. You you can also find us, and if you wonder why I just lost my train of thought, I think whenever I said uh, on Twitter I added the .com, but it's just at discussingwho. Uh, Facebook is facebook.com backslash discussing who, or just go to our website. They're all listed there and, um, send us an email, do whatever you want to send us a cup of coffee through the mail. If you want to, it doesn't matter. My brain's getting tired. So, uh, thank you for listening, everyone guys, as always, thank you for being on with me. It's always a pleasure. So with that, everyone, we are out of here. You've been listening to the Discussing Who podcast. Discussing Who is made by fans for fans. No copyright infringement is intended. Show us your fans of the show by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter. You can find us on the web at www.discussingwho.com. Want more Discussing Who? Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Player FM, the Doctor Who Podshock Alliance, and more. 
Send us your feedback to discussingwho at gmail.com, or if you'd like, simply record a voice message and send that to us via your smartphone, tablet, or computer. We want to hear from you. 